0: (laughs) Hi, welcome to Wondrous Moms. Educator moms, we've got you.
1: We're Felice and Christine. Between the two of us, we have five kids and several decades' experience working in education, from K-12 to higher ed.
0: We know the joy and stress you are under as educators and moms and want to bring you the best and most helpful minutes of your week to help you get through it all. Hi, and welcome to episode three. Today, we're going to be talking about learning from moms who have been there before. This is Felice. And in this episode, we'll actually be talking to our very own Christine about her experience parenting a child up through the senior year of high school and now starting again with kindergarten. So hey, Christine, welcome back.
1: Hi, Felice.
0: Good to be back. We'll talk about crazy proud mom moments before we jump into our topic of the day.
1: So my crazy proud mom moment of the week was my youngest boy, Dash. And I'm so proud of him because he has pretty poor vision issues. He has what they call alternating esotropia, meaning that his uh, eye turns in to compensate. So he has really thick glasses and, and his vision is really impaired. But despite this, he is reading like a champ. The teacher, his kindergarten teacher sent home a packet of what they call snap words and they look like flashcards. And he you hold up the word and he's supposed to read it. And not only was he reading it, he spells them out before he reads them, sounds them out, and he got every single one except maybe two that were really difficult. So I was really proud of him. And when we read books at bedtime now, he's really into picking words out, reading them out loud, spelling them. And he doesn't get super frustrated if he doesn't understand a word. Unlike my oldest son, who's now 18, Beckett, he had he would get very angry when he couldn't read or understand the words. But Dash kind of rolls with it and just kind of fights his way through. It's just That's positive. awesome. Yeah, I'm really proud of him. Do you have a crazy proud moment?
0: Well, my really simple proud mom moment is committing to store-bought treats 100% for school stuff this week. because. Of course, in the midst of the last couple of days before the break for Thanksgiving, there's all sorts of activities happening at my kid's school. And I'm trying to prep some food to take to my family's Thanksgiving dinner and weekend together. And it's just one more thing that I just didn't want to have to deal with. But, you know, just went to the store and bought some stuff so that... I'm proud of myself for just checking that off the list that way.
1: That's something that I think we all get mom guilt about, right?
0: I'm just proud I actually am bringing something.
1: (laughs) That's exactly how I look at it. Hey, at least I showed up.
0: So today we're going to be talking with Christine about what she's learned from having kind of been through the parenting journey already once before. Because if you recall... Listeners, wondrous mom listeners. Um, I have three young kids who are ages eight, just turned seven, and four, so I don't have too much of a gap between when each child goes through various milestones. So I'm super excited to be talking to Christine to kind of learn from her what are some of the things that I should stop stressing over, or maybe some things I need to think about um, as I go through this parenting journey. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Do you have burning questions? I'm just so curious what you're going to share as your top five things that you now know as a mom of a high school senior. And kind of what are some of the things that we as listeners should kind of just give up on worrying about because it'll pass or because it's not a big deal in the end. Or what are some things maybe we should look out for? my four-year-olds going through that really challenging four-year-old stage. And I keep thinking, I hope that this passes. It passed with my girls, but I don't know. You always get that feeling in the back of your head. What if it doesn't? What if it's is
1: personality for life? Well, and I think it's funny because like you said, your girls got through it. One thing that we all know when we have more than one kid is that our kids hit things at weird stages or some don't go through it at all. So I have, um, top five things that I now know. Love to hear
0: your your list of what we can be looking out for as those of us who are coming up behind you.
1: (laughs) So I guess as a mom of a high schooler, while parenting a kindergartner, it's really interesting to compare those two and remember how Beckett was as a kindergartner and wondering if Dash is gonna go through these same things. The interesting thing about Beckett was that he was pretty easy for the most part until he hit his teen years. And then it was like all bets were off and we were in for the ride of our life. <laughs> and I was, I was really taken aback because I had this pretty compliant child and then he hit puberty and suddenly it, he fought us on every single thing. And I wasn't prepared for it just because he hadn't been like that as a child, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm just so curious, but also trying to enjoy these stages. But then, you know, the stages when your kids are really young also have their challenges. So accept it and enjoy the different parts of their development.
1: I learned, like, first of all, he's in his senior year. And I learned starting in his junior year, I learned that we didn't need to fight him being with his friends all the time. And to just let go of that. Because Suddenly in his junior year, he was being with his friends every single weekend, spending the night at people's houses. What's happening? And I'm following on him on my iPhone and all this stuff. And then I realized after actually it was his own friends that put my mind at ease. One of his friends last last summer was like, When we when we have a question about homework, we always text Beckett. He always knows. He always knows what the homework was, he always knows what to do. He knows what how to do it. And I was like, Oh. Oh, this is wonderful to hear that he actually is, you know, on top of things because he doesn't look like he is from our perspective. And I just realized that his friends really kind of count on him I and mean, he's the nucleus of their group. And that made me relax how much I was fighting him being with his people.
0: To get that confirmation from his friends, so a good measure that he's picking good friends.
1: <laughs> picking good friends and also, um, the fact that they were looking at him as the stable force of their group was really a pleasant surprise. And that's when I really stopped fighting him being with them because I realized he was a leader in a positive way. And and I had to like kind of stop holding on so tightly to him and, and my, like micromanaging where he was every second. So I've gotten a lot better about that. <laughs> And I'm still micromanaging Dash because he's in kindergarten. And as you know, you have little kids. Of course, you have to micromanage where they are at all times because it's not safe otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's a big thing as a parent we all learn and have to do is that letting go and realizing they're kind of their own adult now. And and they can make decisions and choices. And that's how they have to live their life. And And we're so used to always over parenting in a way like where are you going who are you with who are you talking to because when they're little kids like I said it's a safety issue more than anything
0: Mm -hmm. I guess we just hope we're planting the right seeds good choices for having a good friend group making the good for being safe when they're out in the world without us right I guess that's the part that I'm right in right now of like planting those seeds
1: exactly and you know because you have three little ones that you can't just let them go hang out at a friend's house you need to know who the friend is who the parents are where the house is what's in the house like and and that's hard to forget that you don't need to do anymore once your kid's 17, 18 years old. Like you kind of mm-hmm. have to realize now they have to do that, Not right. even though you want to as much as you do. And then the second thing is Beckett is now mature enough, and it kind of goes along with the first thing, that I can talk to him as an adult, not a child. And that was a learning curve as well. And that kind of started happening around the age of 15, 16, mm-hmm. where I realized that I could start treating him more like an adult and less like a little kid because that was part of why we fought so much at that stage because I was still trying to treat him like he was my five-year-old and he wasn't. And so I wasn't like honoring the fact that he was growing up.
0: Yeah, do you have an example, like just in so far as just your day-to-day interactions or as, in so far as like boundary setting and limits and those kinds of things?
1: Well, the maturity thing with the adult, I, I started talking to him more about... Um, you know, when he was little and he would say, I want this. And it was something that was $300 and we would be like, oh, maybe Santa will bring it. And then Santa wouldn't bring it because it was $300. And, and, you know, we would say, oh, Santa just couldn't do it this year. Right. But now he's old enough to realize that I don't need to come up with like a fairy tale to say why we can't afford something. I can be honest with him and say, you know what, this is what we need to pay out right now. This is something that's a luxury that we don't need to pay for any because he has bonds for college that his grandfather gave him. And I said, you should save those for college.
0: He was thinking about cashing one out.
1: Oh, yeah. But I was able to talk to him as an adult and explain why. Whereas if he were 12, I can imagine he would have been like, I don't care about college because it seemed like so far in the future type of thing. But now I can say, you know, you're going to want that kind of money when you go to college. So I can have those kind of adult conversations with him now and really help him make better choices from an adult perspective instead of like a little kid perspective, which is mm-hmm. I want it, I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: That reminds me because this idea of like planting the seeds I have, I try to kind of um, pop in little conversations here or there that get my kids. I can start having conversations now with the eight and a half year old that I couldn't Previously. And, you know, I work at a college and I was talking about student loans and she was asking how it worked. And I explained a little bit to her. And then she got some money in a card from a family member. And I asked her what she wanted to do with it. And I had told her that she has a, a college fund going. And I asked her, where do you want to put that cash that you got? And I gave her her choices piggy bank, savings account fund. And she remembered the conversation and she picked college. So, it's cute, and it's. I, I just feel like you know she might go out of this phase where she is listening to me in the same way. So I guess I'm trying to plug things in when I can, right?
1: Well, you made a good point when you say you're planting those seeds, and I feel like that's what my father did with me when I was young. I remember when I was, how the age of your girls now. He took my sister and I to like a stockbroker office and he let Mm -hmm. us talk. He talked about how to like buy stocks and we got to pick some and broker. It was an interesting thing. The reason he did that when we were young is he really wanted us to understand money and how to invest it. But it stuck with me, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think about those. So I think, yeah, you can plant those seeds young. I think it's important too.
0: The next one on your list is... Household chores, laundry. Tell me about your experience with that because we are trying to instill these values right now, and some days are better than others.
1: We have that's where our biggest up, uphill battle is. He'll say to me, But I don't care if there's clothes all over my room, and it's my room. And that's an area we used to fight about all the time him picking up stuff, him doing his own laundry. But this year, especially because it's his senior year, I've really stopped doing that fight with him because I remind myself every day he won't be living here next year he'll be at college and soon I'll I'll wish he were here for me to pick up his stuff and I know that sounds ridiculous because it's kind of enabling him at the same time but I honestly feel like is this really a fight I need to have I've read research that some people are really organized and clean and want to keep things in their place that's me and I realize he's not that person, so it's an uphill battle. I just kind of want to. I'd rather enjoy our interaction instead of it being a constant fight about you didn't pick up your clothes off the floor, you didn't put right. laundry away. Yeah, I hear
0: that. Especially yeah. if you're not even having a lot of time in general. It sounds like he's gone a lot with his friends anyway. So just the I mean, interactions are more positive than negative.
1: I don't want every time he's home for that to be our interaction. So I made that choice for myself, and I'm actually a lot happier rather than frustrated all the time, like, why are your shoes out here? Why is your backpack here? You know where it goes. Like, It's so not. funny. It
0: sounds like you're talking to my little kids, too. They do the same mm-hmm. thing. So I guess it's just an ongoing.
1: <laughs> There's certain battles I think aren't worth fighting, but I think you're right to work with your kids now to, like, inspire them to do chores and
0: explore. Well, we'll see. Them. It might backfire on me because, of course, I think in the back of my mind as – Weekly, I'm in there, the girls' room in particular, asking them, okay, let's set a timer, let's do 15 minutes of cleaning. And then I think to myself, this might backfire. They might be the kind of people that hate cleaning as a result, but you never can tell. Yeah, I'm more concerned about the whole, well, I'm not going to do it because my mom forced me to when I was younger. And now I have this resistance to it. Not that they were predisposed, but more I kind of made them a certain way. You know, there's always that worry. So, what and,
1: else? I'm really impressed by the fact that even though there's a huge age gap, it's actually 13 years, but he was 12 when Dash was born. He turned 13 at the end of that year. So there's basically 13 years between him and Dash. I I kind of feel bad for Dash because sometimes I think Dash gets overparented because sometimes Beckett acts like a parent with him. Uh-huh. But I have to say one thing that I'm impressed by is his ability to calm Dash down when others can't. Like when he can't listen to reason from me anymore or from his dad anymore. Beckett will step in and he could be having a full blown tantrum and crying and Beckett will hug him and talk to him and he'll calm down. And I'm, I'm just I think that's one of the best things that came out of having these two children so far apart. I was always worried because I thought, well, now Beckett won't want to play with them. They're too different of an age. He'll be too much older. But in a way, it's like he's being such a great big brother to him. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the best things that came out of having these this big age gap. I I just saw him do it last night. He was Dash was sitting at the kitchen island watching TV and I saw Beckett come up behind him and give him a hug and say I love you and Dash says I love you, Beckett, and it's just it's so cute. He is- you know, he doesn't even realize I'm watching, so he right. just decided to do it and that's so sweet. Well, you want your kids to love each other, right? And when they're really close in age, that can be a challenge.
0: Agreed, especially when they kind of are just getting on each other's nerves, you know, in the same space. But it, and, and now that the winter is here in the Northeast, it's getting a little bit more pronounced. So hoping to figure out how to balance that out, the togetherness and the not togetherness. But yes, it's a work in progress.
1: The gap can be bad, but it can also be good in the fact that you can get better perspective as siblings across the, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess the last thing that I would talk about is um the fact that when he w- when Beckett was young we kind of I felt anyway bullied into this whole sports and activities whirlwind Like Uh the parents I would run across, they were so into it. And I would feel criticized if I wasn't at every single practice and every single game. And I'd get mommy guilt over it. I missed the last playoff football game for Beckett, but Beckett was like, I can't even barely play because he'd hurt. He had an injury. You know, this one thing, some of the moms were like, I can't believe you missed his last game ever Mm -hmm. on that turf. And I've realized I've got perspective about it. It isn't the end all be all of existence. It's just something that they're doing for for that time. Definitely. And there's so much guilt as parents that see and volunteer for this and that. But I think that I use him as my gauge. And he's the one that says to me, oh, I'm so glad that's over.
0: Yeah. These can be very overwhelming at times thinking about what should you be doing that whole idea of concerted cultivation, like middle class kids, there's like a term for it in sociology
1: feel like sometimes our generation of parenting has almost impact our children negatively when it comes to sports and activities because we got too involved. And now parents seem to be so driven to be part of that, that I think they're losing perspective that it isn't their sport or activity; it's their kids.
0: And I don't even feel I have the capacity to do all these volunteer roles. For sure. I do not feel like I have that capacity sure. as a working mom of three yeah. young kids. It just isn't something that I feel like I have the energy or ability to carve out into my life right now.
1: I agree. I feel so. the same. Way. I think it's something that it's so time consuming and where we work is 45 minutes from my home. So I have a commute. I have things that go on at, at our workplace that I have to put my attention to. So I have to make choices as a working mother. I have to prioritize my job sometimes over activities or sports and I'm lucky that my son is mature enough to get that.
0: That is nice. It sounds like you've been doing a great job with him. When you're teaching a group of students and you think, okay, this is painful for them right now, but hopefully in another year, 10 years, 20 years, they're going to be thanking me for this experience. But in the moment, it's hard to get you know young people through things they're not excited about, but you feel like it's in their best interest, right? That's what we do as educators. Thank you so much for sharing your list of things to help those of us with younger kids think about what's coming up down the line for us as we parent and things to kind of consider as we navigate this journey. We want to talk about our dilemma of the day now, and it's coming up on Thanksgiving this week. So for today's dilemma, we wanted to talk about how do you kick into vacation or holiday mode when you've just come off a busy work period, or maybe you have some lingering work tasks because that's what's going on in my head. So what
1: kinds of things do you do to unwind and relax with family and friends? I've been able to get through a lot of my work tasks before we get to the holiday, which is for me, huge. Not
0: really work tasks, but I had a lot of lingering personal and family tasks that just had to be taken care of, doctor's appointments and other things. And then my kids are off on Wednesday. So I just have two days to kind of scramble. It's nice it's nice to have a little bit of it. And of course, there were a million work emails going around yesterday related to some things that I'm involved in. And so I was trying to keep up on that, but also thinking to myself, you know what, I need to also take care of these other things. So I was trying to balance it out.
1: I feel like that's what we do as working moms. We look at our schedule all the time and we we say to ourselves, okay, we have this window. Let's cram it all in there. And I exactly. actually had that as well with my older son. He needed his next booster shot. He needed his flu shot. He has a dermatology appointment. And I was on the phone saying, okay, can we get this all in one day? That's what we do as moms. That's the type exactly. of thing we have to juggle. And like you said, not only that, but we're going into Thanksgiving holiday, which means preparing all the things that you need to do for that, whether you're traveling, which I think we both are traveling during Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. So that means getting everybody packed up, getting that car packed up. We have a new puppy that we're traveling with for the first time and I'm a wreck over this.
0: Oh, he's coming on the road trip.
1: Oh, the him and the fat Corgi who's old. So we have the old dog and the new dog.
0: Well, I almost feel like this dilemma is me needing a pep talk because I do feel like I'm coming off of a busy work period and I do feel like I have some lingering tasks, but I also need to kind of put some stuff aside and say to myself, you know what? The semester is going to be crazy. There's not going to be a break. This is it. So what am I going to do to take it? Um, I will say I did have lunch with a friend yesterday and that I had scheduled prior to even getting into the week and I had made the plans like a week and a half ago, knowing I had the time. And I remember telling her when I booked it on the calendar, I said, you know what? The kids are off and I don't have class that day. And I need to make sure I pencil something in for myself in the midst of trying to do everything else. So that's one way. It had to be intentional if I hadn't booked it with her in advance. I probably just would have fallen into the trap of got to do this errand, got to make sure this is ready for such and such, got to get my grading done, you know, all of that. Should we go into surviving? Yeah, let's just jump into it. All
1: right. So one thing I did to survive and thrive this week was I deliberately assigned my students' work prior to the break so that I would end up doing the tail end of the grading at the beginning of this week because I really wanted to be intentional. About using the break time for relaxation and being with my family, I just I've said this before, but I feel such guilt every time my little one Dash says, "You're always grading, you're always working. Why can't you come outside and, mm-hmm. and I am definitely going to make sure that I piece out that work ahead of time and and get that done so that I can just enjoy that time. So yep. that's how I'm trying to survive and thrive this week by trying to wrap up all the stuff that I need to wrap up before I see family. Yes. How about you?
0: And I, just to kind of go off of that whole idea of making your plans for your student work to come in, a lot of my students fell behind on an assignment and they kind of got a little bit of an extension. So I feel like I have it hanging over my head, but I'm giving myself the grace of just leaving it until I get back because I have a lot of other things for family and other things that just need to be taken care of during this little time. My survive and thrive is coffee because I'm not getting a ton of sleep lately, and then laughing with friends. I got to have meet with my book club night, and there were a lot of laughs around the table. So that's always rejuvenating. I
1: think that's uh, it's so important that we spend time with friends so that we can remember and reconnect with ourself and remember who we are instead of getting lost in this whole, but I am an employee. I'm a mom. There's still us in here too. So you need that time to do that.
0: Definitely. We'll keep working on it, right? All right. This has been episode three of Wondrous Moms. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of our community. To all the wondrous moms out there surviving and thriving as educators and moms,
1: we've got you. We always welcome your feedback, tips, tricks, ideas, and questions about how you are surviving and thriving as educator moms. You can message us at wondrousmoms at gmail.com
0: or follow us at wondrousmoms on Instagram. Of course, we always appreciate you sharing the Wondrous Moms podcast with your tribe and leaving us a supportive review on iTunes. It's the best way to reach all the Wondrous Moms out there and support the collective work we are doing. Till next time.